Welcome to Westside Unscripted, the podcast where pastors loosen their ties, throw away their notes, and answer questions about all things theology and culture. I'm Josh Bartels, a deacon here at Westside and the host of this podcast. I'm not joined by Pastor Peter Montour this week. He is out, and so we will continue playing uh, part two of Feed the Light, a session that he gave back in the men's retreat of 2021, back in December. And so this session, Feed the Light, uh, has to do with how we as men and, by extension, women can grow in our capacity to understand the world around us and to operate in it, that just like a good fire needs fuel in order to burn brightly, so do we. And that fuel, as he talked about last week, is the Word of God. But then there are other ways that we expand our ability to understand the world around us and better understand our God and how we are supposed to live and act in this world. So without further ado, here is part two of Feed the Light. But if we are going to be men who keep the light on, we need to root ourselves deeply in the scriptures. But we also need to be working to expanding our capacity for the truth. Because your ability to receive from the scriptures that you're reading is directly connected to your ability to think and receive at all. So your capacity is connected to your ability to receive uh, that truth that's coming to you from the scriptures. We need to be men who are weighty and deliberate, not necessarily weighty in girth units, right? Weighty in in terms of our, our gravitas, weighty and deliberate rather than empty and reckless. So as I was doing my own Bible reading a little bit ago, I came across this passage in Judges 9.4. And he gave him three score and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Belbarith, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. So Abimelech is the illegitimate son of Gideon, um, and the story is very tragic, and uh, the story isn't the point. But the point is the way that these men are described that followed Abimelech. So in vain, the Hebrew word literally means empty, and in, in, in the Lord translated as light literally means reckless. So these are empty and reckless men. They are lightweights. And because they are lightweights, they are easy to manipulate. Because they don't have any substance to them, because they don't know their history, because they don't know who they are and they, they don't have much of an identity, they follow Abimelech for a few pieces of silver. And Abimelech takes them and he kills all of the sons of his father and he sets up a tyranny with these men as his henchmen. And the story goes downhill from there, if you can imagine, which you would be able to if you read the book of Judges. But they come to a very bad end. But the point is that men who are lightweight are easy to manipulate. Because tumbleweeds are light and rootless, they blow around wherever the wind drives them. We're not called to be tumbleweeds. We are called to put down deep roots so that we can keep the light on. We need to be the opposite of men who are light and reckless. And they're reckless because they're lightweight. We want to be sober and serious and weighty and rooted. Rather than the empty and reckless men that are so common in our world, we need to become weighty and deliberate men. Like the dandelion, we need roots that are both deep and broad if we are to sustain our mission. And if we're going to be men that have the depth and breadth to keep the light on, we're going to need to work on expanding our capacity more generally, as well as deepening our knowledge and rootedness in the scriptures. It's not an either or, but a both and. We need to intentionally expand our capacity for the truth. We need to expand the reservoir. We need to understand history. We need to learn to appreciate beauty. 
Here's the point. In the world in which we live, if you live your life by default, you're either going to become empty and reckless or flabby and passive. That's what our society produces. Empty and reckless men who are so frustrated they're willing to do anything or flabby and passive men who are so passive they're unwilling to do anything. So men, men who are unwilling to do anything are men who are willing to do everything, but men who are weighty and actually have agency in the world because they understand the world in which they live and they have an understanding of history and they have an appreciation for beauty and they have something to offer when it comes to offering counsel, that's the sort of men that we need. So if you spend hours a day scrolling social media, binge-watching YouTube or Netflix, playing video games, obsessing about cars or sports or anything else of the sort, if your mind is filled with empty things, you are not going to wake up one day as a wise and rooted man, deep and broad, able to take your place in the band of brothers who are striving to keep the lights on. Here's the thing. Because of the commercial society in which we live, it's driven by advertisements. Who do advertisements move? People who are empty, who don't have weight, who are tumbleweeds. So everything about our society is organized to make you as lightweight as possible, as easy to manipulate as possible, because that's the engine that drives our economy. Manipulation. Lightweight men who are moved by advertisements. Now, you might be tempted to respond. If the scriptures are the source of truth, and they are, If they are what enable us to flourish, and they are, why do we need to bother with anything else? It's a fair question. But the truth is that your capacity to understand and apply the scriptures cannot be separated from your capacity to think and your ability to understand the world as a whole. You can't read the scriptures better than you can read. If you can't read, you can't read the scriptures even if you open them every day. You have to learn how to read. But learning how to read doesn't stop when you can spell out words and put together a sentence. In order to actually read well, it involves a background knowledge of the world as a whole, an understanding of how to fit things together. And as we learn to read better, we can learn to read the scriptures better. Developing bandwidth, increasing our capacity, if done in the right way, is not a distraction. So a boxer, if he's going to be effective in the ring, needs to do more than train with the heavy bag and the speed bag. Now, that needs to be the focus. Remember, he's got to get his gloves on because that's what he is. He's a boxer. He's, he's not a jiu-jitsu person or whatever else. If, if he's a boxer, he's got to spend time with his gloves. But if all he does is spend time with his gloves, he's not going to be as effective in the ring as he could be because there's this thing called jump roping that boxers do. And actually, you know, especially uh, he needs to build some muscle. So he's going to have to do some, some weight training of some kind, right? So you're going you're to have to train in these different areas not as a distraction from the primary task of you know, hitting hard and fast, but as a tool to aid in gaining strength and agility for that task. Now, it'd be possible if a boxer does nothing but jump rope all day, he's not going to be a very good boxer. He's been distracted from his primary task. But used rightly and used well, these other things are tools that increase the capacity. So when he goes back to the speed, the, the speed bag, he's faster. When he goes back to the heavy bag, he's stronger, and he's able to use those very tools that are the focus. He's able to use them better. Running and doing jump ropes and doing weight training are all part of developing the capacity that is needed to actually fight. And while it is certainly possible for these things to become a distraction, 
Avoiding them altogether is just as certainly going to limit our ability to do the very things that we claim to be focusing on. Expanding our capacity is essential if we are to stand for the truth. So expanding our capacity is not a distraction from rooting ourselves in the truth, uh, and instead expanding our capacity is essential if we are to stand for the truth. We're called, in this dark world in which we live, to be valiant for the truth. As Jude put it, we are called to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Expanding our capacity is essential for this task. If we are to stand through the storm, we need to increase our capacity for the truth. We need to develop, as one writer put it, the idea of temporal bandwidth. So if all you understand is the one little moment, everything about our society is organized to get you to think about this one little moment that is right in front of you. But if you actually want to resist the things that are pulling on you in this moment, you need to put down some temporal bandwidth and understand what has taken place over the course of history. Have some understanding of history, temporal bandwidth. Another phrase that I would add to that is geographical bandwidth. If all you know about is the conflicts that are taking place in in an immediate, like right in our country or even in our city, it's easy to become swayed as though these conflicts are ultimate. When you have an understanding of what's going on all over the world, you have a broader perspective and you can actually see and you're harder to manipulate. When you have an appreciation for the great beauties for what is really beautiful in the scripture, but also what is beautiful, what what humans are capable of producing as deep beauty, then you're less likely to be drawn by the shiny things that aren't really beautiful at all, because you know there are better things that are out there. We need to understand history and learn to appreciate objective beauty. I've mentioned this quote several times ever since I read it. It's really stuck out to me as one of my new favorite quotes. In fact, I think I... I forget, I've mentioned it a couple times, I can't even remember the different places that I've mentioned it, but I'm going to say it again. To condemn a heresy is relatively easy. What is much more difficult is to detect the question it implies and to give this question an adequate answer. That's the challenge. It is easy to look at something and say that's not right. What's harder is to see what is the need that this wrong answer is responding to and to do the hard work of thinking through what would a right answer to that question be. But if we don't understand the world in which we live in, if we don't have an understanding of history, if we haven't expanded our capacity and, 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 and grown our reservoir of truth, if we don't have the knowledge that we need, then our responses to the heresies that arise are going to be little more than saying, heresy! Okay, solve the problem that, that it's addressing. I can't do that. I don't have the capacity to do that. Well, that's the task that is before us. We need to be the men who both know how to think critically and have a reservoir of information with which to think well. We need to be aware that there are many substitutes for thinking that are out there. When I was a kid, we, my family listened to uh, political talk radio nonstop. When, when we were working on stuff, that was, it was like all day, every day. Um, And I liked it at the time, especially when I was a teenager. I thought it was really cool. When I became a little older, I realized what was going on. Here was the attraction. People were being made to feel like they had thought without the work of having to think. It was was a form of entertainment. Like People were being given the result of the thinking of the host and being made to feel as though they had thought through it for themselves 
without actually having to do the work of thinking. That's not what we need. If we're going to stand in this season, we have to do better than that. We have to have the resources and the ability to actually think through things for ourselves. Expanding our capacity is furthermore essential if we are to be a haven for the truth. So it's essential if we're going to stand for the truth. It's also essential if we're going to be a haven for the truth. Remember what we talked about last night. On the one hand, we must never forget that first and foremost, we are called to be proclaimers of the simple story of the good news, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must never lose sight. That is our primary mission. The simple story, Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. This is a mission from which we must never be distracted. And yet at the same time, We need to remember that in the world in which we live, the church is once again being called to steward all that is good, to serve as an ark, not just for people, but also for animals, to preserve not only specifically Christian things, but everything that our modern world seems so determined to destroy. We have to become a haven for everything that is good about the world that God has made for all that it means to be human because the gospel preserves and restores all that it means to be human at every level and in every area of life. We need to be men who are increasing our capacity for the truth. Here's the thing. You don't know what you're going to be called upon to do. I may not always be here. You say, well, that's your job. Your job is to detect the heresies and respond to them. Well, especially in a volatile situation, I may not always be here. Pastor John, Pastor Scott, Brother Josh, we may not always be here. It could be up to you to keep the church from sliding into a dangerous heresy. It could be your job. Would you be up to it? Would you be ready for it? You don't know what gap you're going to be called to stand in. So you need to prepare yourself now to have some substance about you so that you could fill any number of gaps. So what's this look like practically? you might say. It's all well and good for you, but I have a job, and life is very busy, and I have a lot of responsibilities. Well, just like with exercise and spiritual disciplines, a very little bit can go a very long way. And developing bandwidth, expanding our capacity for the truth, is a lifelong goal. It's not one that's going to happen overnight. So don't say, you know, I haven't done any reading at all, And I'm going to go and I'm going to read hundreds of pages of Augustine next week. You're not going to do that. And even if you did, it wouldn't do you much good because it'd be so boring and so hard to figure out uh, that you would quit really quick. It wouldn't be beneficial. So you need to start where you're at and take a step in the right direction. So what would be some ways? We talked about with Bible reading. Scripture before phone. Spend five minutes in the Bible. Two minutes in prayer. You know, five to ten minutes at least. You know, between the two of them. That'd be a good start. That's something all of you can do. Well, here's something all of you can do in terms of increasing capacity for the truth. You could read the book of the month. It's not actually the book of the month. We take like three or four months to go through a book because I want it to be something that anyone who wants to can do. We have seven or eight pages, 10 pages of reading a week, and we have lots of break weeks where you could catch up. It is achievable, it's doable. And one of the things that we pick books, we sort of, so you know with, with how we do it, we pick, I, so I, I pick like a book that is something about the world that we live in right now, understanding our world. 
uh, and then we'll do a book that's something theological or something that's old. So the books aren't all old because some of those will be harder for people to, to read, uh, but we'll talk about, so right now uh, we're doing uh, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, which is a very timely book, and I love that book. It is so helpful um, about how to, to think through, think Christianly about many of the hottest controversies of our day. But the next book we're going to do, which I, it's one of the next things on my docket. I had to get through men's retreat. Uh, I had a stack of books of material for prepping for this. Uh, but one of the next things I have in my docket is to, to read uh, books. I want to do something about who God is. So either the attributes of God or perhaps the fear of the Lord or uh, theology more, ge- a theological overview more generally, but something theological. And then we'll go back and we'll do something cultural. So we have that alteration. We have different topics. And if you just read the book of the month, it would be more than some, many of you are reading now because not all of you are doing that. And it would be a step in the right direction. And it would be something that every single one of you could do if you wanted to. We pick books that are, may take a little bit of work. They're not all like, you know, fluff, like eating marshmallow foam. Uh, marshmallow foam, marshmallow fluff. Like they're not all like a fluff or butter sandwich, but all of them are digestible uh, by everyone here if you put the work in. That's one thing you could do. Well, you may say, I'm already doing that. What can I do next? Well, you could pick an old book, and you could read it with other brothers who would keep you accountable and say, let's read a chapter a week in another book. Let's read it together. Let's talk through it about the things that don't make sense. And uh, uh, another thing you could do, even practically, is you could say, you know what? I'm going to read a page in a book before I fall asleep, a page in a good book. So I'm going to read the Bible five minutes in the morning. I'll read, you know, a half a chapter or a chapter of the Bible in the morning, and I'll read a page of a good book at night. That's not a lot. But over the course of a year, that would be 300. If you just read one page a day, that'd be 365 pages, which, depending on the length of the book, could be a book and a half or even two books. Well, over 10 years, that'd be 20 good books. Over 20 years... Well, I guess that'd be, yeah, that'd be 40 good books or however it, however it added up, it would stack up. And you may find, as you get a little stronger, that, you know, you may start, I'm going to do a push-up every morning. Well, if you do a push-up every morning, chances are you'll end up doing two push-ups eventually, maybe three push-ups. And the day will come when you can do 10 push-ups without trouble in the same amount of time and the same amount of effort you did that first push-up, right? So it's like any kind of training, mental training, you start where you are. But the more that you do it consistently, the more your appetite for it is going to increase and you're able to push yourself. And you may discover that one of you out here who isn't reading at all has an enormous aptitude to really think really well. And you'll have ideas that will keep the whole community um, from grave danger. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't try. If you don't ever exercise, you don't know what your capacity for exercise is. Everybody has a different capacity and there's no shame in that. But until you've pushed yourself, you don't even know what your capacity is. Um, And that's something that all of us need. So we've talked about the foundational importance of rooting ourselves in the truth, of pursuing regular spiritual disciplines day in and day out. We've talked about the importance of expanding our capacity for the truth, of increasing our bandwidth and growing in appreciation for all that is good and true and beautiful in the world that God has made. Both of these, and I've said this before, both of these are long-term projects. If you want to develop a serious knowledge of God's word, it's going to take many years of diligent and consistent work. This isn't going to happen overnight. If you want to develop temporal bandwidth, if you want to have a, a sense of history and culture, 
It's going to take many years as well. I'm in a project right now. I determined about 10 years ago that I wanted to read the great books of the Western world. I wanted to have that temporal bandwidth. But that doesn't really fit in my academic box, and it doesn't really fit in my church box. And I'm really busy with an academic program, and I work full-time and, and, and extra at the church, and I have a family. So I don't get a lot of time to put in that box. So, 10 years in, I'm still not halfway done. But I'm a whole lot farther than I was 10 years ago. And that's the kind of mindset that I would encourage you to have of like, hey, I'm going to get started on something that I'll see the fruits of 20 years from now. Have that long-range mindset of being able to tackle something, tackle something big. But tackling something big begins with tackling something small. So say, hey, I have this big goal, so I'm going to read a page of something that I can access and understand right now. It's that combination, that's how we increase our capacity for the truth, is that combination of a long-range, glorious vision of where we want to get and may never fully get, but we make progress because we've set our sights high. Uh, Whereas if we sort of set our sights really low and we don't reach those goals, then we won't make much progress at all. If we're going to feed the light, if we're going to be men with roots, men with depth and breadth, weighty men who have the capacity to make a difference, we need to commit ourselves to feeding the light over the long haul. Discipleship, as has been well said, can be defined as long obedience, a long obedience in the same direction. Faithfulness is the heart of discipleship. And it's really the heart of making serious progress in any area of life. As we attempt to be men who feed the light, though, we're going to be tempted to quit. Because this is not going to be easy. Even if you pick an achievable goal, you will find reasons to leave it by the wayside. So there are three primary reasons we might be tempted to quit. First, we might be tempted to quit because what you are doing seems pointless. And I already mentioned this before, but you might say, well, we've got you and you're doing this project, so why do we need to be engaged in it? Once again, I would remind you, you may not always have me. You may not always have Pastor John or Brother Josh or Pastor Scott or some other man that you might look up to and say, you know, I really admire that person. I'll just stand in his shadow. Well, what about the people who are standing in your shadow who might depend on you when that person is taken out of the way? You don't know what the future holds. There may come a time when the pastors and the deacons are gone and you are the one that people are looking to to teach them the word of God. You are the one that people are looking to for to defend them from heretical teachers who sound really good. To give just one example, we, how many of you remember when we did a church history book as a book of the month? Just a few. It was the, I think it was actually the last book of the month or no, it was, it was this past spring. So we did a book on church history. And one of the things we talked about is the Trinitarian controversies that led up to the doctrine of the Trinity. And we talked about some of the bad ideas that people had. So it may be at some point, that a false teacher with a heretical view of the Trinity is coming along and trying to seduce the sheep away. And all the other leaders are gone. And you're the one who has to determine, is this what the scriptures teach? Is this what the church has always held on to? Or is this a false teaching that is going to destroy the church? What if that was up to you? Would you have a good enough understanding of the history and the theology and the scripture to be able to mount a response to be able to recognize a renewed Arianism when it comes up again, as it has over and over again in the history of the church, and it always sounds good, and it always gains followers, and it always brings destruction? It could be up to you. So you might be tempted to quit because you think it's pointless. 
But if you think it's pointless, you're taking a very short-range view because you don't know what's going to come down the road in the future. You might be tempted to quit because what you're doing is hard. And you're like, well, let me read these scriptures first. But ye, brethren, Paul says, be not weary in well-doing. Paul also says, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. So you start reading the Bible. And you read through the stories in Genesis, and you are excited. And you read about Exodus, and you're excited. And you make it through the section on the tabernacle, and you land in Leviticus. And you're like, this is hard. This is really hard. This is really boring. I'm not getting anything out of this. And you quit. Or you make it through Leviticus, and you get to the, the census numbers and numbers. And you're like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I'm done. And you quit there. Or turning from rooting ourselves in the truth to expanding our capacity for the truth. You say, you know what? I'm going to read an old book. You read it. And you don't know all the words and you have to look them up and you're like, this is tedious. This is boring. This is hard. This is not exciting. This is stranger than I thought it was going to be. Part of the point. Uh, This is harder than I thought it was going to be. And you're like, you know what? I'm done with this. This is too hard for me to do. You might be tempted to quit because what you're doing is hard. But it's the hard things that are often the things that are the most worth doing. And you don't see the fruit and you don't get the reward if you quit when it gets hard. If you quit the workout when it begins to become uncomfortable, you're not going to see much progress. You've got to push through the difficulty to be able to see the reward at the far end. You might quit because something else seems more attractive. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So we might say endless genealogies. That's the boring thing. That's the hard thing. But in Timothy's day, when Paul's giving this instruction, the people Timothy was ministering to thought the genealogies were endlessly fascinating. Like, literally, endless genealogies were endlessly fascinating. They thought that was the coolest thing since sliced bread, and sliced bread hadn't even been invented yet. They were excited by them. And Paul says, don't pay attention to those things. Don't give heed to those things. You focus on the task that is before you. So what could this look in your life? Well, you say, you know what? I'm going to read the scriptures before I look at my phone. But then late the night before, you're in a Facebook controversy, and you're going back and forth with someone, and you drop a bomb and you go to bed. And when you wake up the next morning, the first thing you think about is, how'd they take, how'd they like them apples? How'd they take that? I'm going to make an exception this morning. I'm going to go to Facebook before I go to my phone. And you get sucked right in. And the next morning you're like, well, I already broke the habit. It probably doesn't matter. Before long, you're not in the Bible before you're in your phone. And before long, you're not in the Bible at all. Something has distracted you from what you set out to do. You start, perhaps, saying, I'm going to pick balanced news sources. I am not just going to read clickbait news. I am not just going to read things that further my prejudices and my opinions. I'm going to actually read, uh, try to have a balanced news diet. So you try it. It doesn't scratch that dopamine itch that you get when you click on the outreach headline. And you're actually offended by the views of people who differ from you. So you don't like that either. And it's not fun anymore. It actually takes work of thinking through things. So you're like, yeah, the endless outrage porn news outlet was more fun. I'm going to go with that. It's attractive. Those headlines are sucking me in. I'm going to go for them. 
and you abandon the task that you set out because you've been distracted by something that seems more attractive. Here's the most basic reality. Training takes time. Training takes work. But training is what roots us in the truth and expands our capacity for the truth. And if we're going to be the sort of men who can keep the lights on, if we're going to feed the light in our lives, it's going to take intentional effort, it's going to be a long-range task, and it's going to take work. We feed the light by, among other things, rooting ourselves in the truth and expanding our capacity for the truth. To conclude where we've come up to this point, in a world that is rapidly changing, our mission is unchanged. We're called to bring the light of the city down to earth by gathered worship and then to carry that light into the darkness by scattered worship. We're called to do both of these things as a community, a community that serves as a haven for all that is good and true and beautiful in the world that God has made, even as we stand firmly against every level of the world system that has set itself against God. If we're to be the sort of men who can sustain this sort of community, we're going to have to begin by guarding the light against defilement and division and distraction and continue by feeding the light, rooting ourselves in the truth, expanding our capacity for the truth, and refusing to depart from the truth. Sticking with it over the long haul, because it's the long haul that makes the difference. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Westside Unscripted. God willing, Pastor Peter will be back next week to answer questions about theology and culture. You can send those to me. Uh, if you know my phone number, send it to me there. My email is josh at bibledirectionforlife.com, or you can always catch me at church and pass me a question there. Thanks again for listening, and God willing, we'll be with you again next week. Mm-hmm.